0: I'm your host, Toriano Newkirk, a.k.a. 90210, and I'm here with my brother and official co-host, Stephen Woods, a.k.a. Steezo. Congratulations. (laughs) How are we feeling?
1: I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It's glad to be an official part of the podcast. Always an honor and a pleasure.
0: Yes, sir. We're glad to have you. And um, I want to give a special shout out to my guy, Elijah. Um, He could not make it today. Uh, We hope you feel better, man, Uh, and prayers out to you.
1: We're going to hold it down.
0: So we will. Uh, but on this episode, we're going to go ahead and start off with the book of Boba Fett. Uh, Stephen, I wanted to start off by getting your favorite moment, if you have.
1: Probably going to have to go with when Black Crescenton <laughs> ripped Boba out of the healing pod, And they just started getting busy. Like, they started getting right to it. Yeah. What about you?
0: Uh, My favorite part was really the chase scene. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, just the dynamic of it. You know, it was really drawn out. There was a lot of elements. They showed, you know, what the gang could really do um, outside of, you know, the small little fight, the small participation that they had in the Corsanton fight earlier in the episode. Um, But just showing, you know, the use of their, I guess, like their, their metallic abilities, whatever they, their upgrades, um, That was really cool to see as well as just showing them, you know, helping Boba out a little bit more throughout the episode. But with that being said, do we think Boba will create his own crime syndicate throughout the season? Do we think he'll get more assets, more assassins, or more gang members? What do we think?
1: Definitely. Because as you see the people that he's gathered it sounds, it seems like they really respect him and that whenever he's in need, they come to help him. As we've seen with the ambush with the Gomorians, when black chrysanthemum came through and, you know, caught him slipping. The Gomorians were there and the little biker gang were there to help him out. So I feel like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. They're gonna...
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that we could see a few more additions, whether it be an assassin, um, maybe a few more gang members. I know when we initially saw them earlier in the episode, there were a few more people than just the main four that we saw at the end of the episode. Um, So hopefully we get to see more of them get involved. Uh, But it's good to see Boba continue to develop assets and to really show what it's like to build this little crime syndicate, we're really seeing him like establish his his, his Diamond, um and develop his you know sort of kingdom as well. Um, but with that being said, do we think we will see Boba avenge the Tuscan Raiders and eliminate the the Kenton Rider?
1: Mm, I don't really see Boba as being that kind of vengeful person Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think he might do it just off of the strength of the respect they had or he had for them and him you know becoming one of them but in my personal opinion no I feel like he's kind of got bigger fish to fry as of now Mm -hmm. and I just don't see maybe later on but as of right now no what about you
0: yeah, definitely. I think the Pikes are his main concern right now. Uh, the fact that they're, you know, dis- uh, disturbing what he's done um, as far as the Diamo and as well as, um, you know, just having that awkward Rocky relationship to start off with when he was with the Tuscan Raiders, um, as shown in the episode. I think he has uh, a grudge to hold with them. And he feels as if possibly, you know, we kind of see it throughout his body language. You know, he may feel like if he had stayed with Tuscan Riders, they would not be dead. If he had not set up that meeting with the Pikes, and you know, you kind of draw conclusions like maybe the Pikes, you know, said like, "Hey," said something to the Kenton Riders and put out a hit on the Tuscan Raiders. They didn't want to pay both as they as they established in this episode.
1: Uh, now, so... I wanted to ask you, what do you think or how do you feel about Bulba not really having the respect we thought he had? Because as you see, um, the droid told him that three factions own Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And as you see, he's not really <laughs> one of those.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has to develop that. Uh, I don't think that is, you know, that respect is not something that, you know, is just handed. Uh, and I think we're definitely seeing that within the Star Wars universe right here. Uh, action has to be made. He has to continue to lay his foot down, lay the iron foot down. And uh, really, you know, just continue accepting tribute, um, putting in demand, showing, you know, that he has the power to step to the mayor the way he did in this episode and previous episode. Uh, and just continuing to, you know, lay his foot down on Tatooine. Uh, but I do think, you know, the way that he handled the situation with, um, I believe, it, I can't remember his name, but the Water Tower, uh, the Water Tower merchant. Yeah. The way that he handled that, you know, that really just signifies to me, like, Boba is going to take care of business regardless of how anybody sees fit. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to do whatever he feels is fit. And so, with him having that ability and the water thaw Merchant just accepting it, I think it's going to continue to happen throughout the series where people are just kind of, eventually just bowing down to him and gaining the respect of Tatooine progressively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you said earlier, we finally get to see Boba versus Black Kersantan and I know that was your favorite moment in the episode, but what did you think about the entire fight?
1: I feel like it was a little underwhelming. You know, I thought two bounty hunters of their caliber would have put up a better fight, or what am I trying to say? A better, a more (laughs) better, a more um, a better showcase of their skill, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, but I understand chrysanthemum is not the big bad enemy of the show so you know i i could see why they wouldn't want to put too much highlight on there but mm-hmm. i was a little underwhelmed but i did like how the gomorians and the biker gang came to help him out because he totally caught him slipping
0: definitely definitely yeah chrysanthemum they really they really set it up for a, a perfect assassination if if Fett did not have help yeah um he nearly killed him. We saw the moment, you know, you could see Boba Fett's toes curl. like, you could hear his spine cracking, you could see it. It was almost over for Boba Fett.
1: was definitely, yeah.
0: But I do agree with you that it was, I don't think it was necessarily underwhelming. I think it was perfect as far as the essence of what they were trying to evoke, um, as far as it being an assassination attempt, but Because, obviously, Boba Fett is being, you know, caught off guard. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even have the opportunity to use his whispering, uh, his his whispering birds. Um, He didn't have the opportunity to really get a full attack on him. He wasn't in his armor. He'd had no blaster. He had no rifle, no knives. He was just, you know, using his resourcefulness far as he could reach anything and turn it into a weapon well yeah they, that's did a, what a, they did a I'm good job of showing that as well
1: yeah i feel like that's probably what made the fight so underwhelming for me because granted they weren't at their best mm-hmm. i still kind of wanted a little more you know just to see them two like total big heads you know just go at it and see who was really the better bounty hunter
0: yeah Definitely. I can can definitely agree with that Um, as far as it being underwhelming in that sense. But I also think they did show a a good way of how Boba is just really, really resourceful. And they've done that progressively uh, throughout this season and just showing how he can really turn. You know, we have this character, you know, this character stereotype where they can turn anything into a weapon. And um, I think they're just showing that really well without making it over the top with the Boba. And I really appreciate that as well. But with us talking about Kersantan, we see Boba let him free after Daba has offered him as tribute. Do we think we'll see Kersantan in Obi-Wan Kenobi show? Do we think we see him in Ahsoka? Uh, Where do you think we'll see him next or if we'll see him soon?
1: I feel like we'll see him before the end of the show. Because, you know, Boba has this thing where it's like the people he helps out comes back and help him so i feel like at the end maybe we get a conflict with him and you know the pike syndicate and is gonna come through and repay his debt and help him out mm.
0: that's definitely possible um and i think it would make a lot of sense as far as uh a canon uh perspective as well as the source material perspective because it's you know the torch material, you know that Boba and Kersantin were actually we're friends. They were partners at one point. Well, so I, I definitely think that this could lead to them working together um, and Kersantin becoming a part of Boba's syndicate uh, and basically being his left hand to Phoenix right hand, per se, of Boba. And, yeah. you know, just showing this little power dynamic that Boba has a Wookiee on his side as well, not only an assassin, but a Wookiee as well, a Wookiee bounty hunter nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely think that could be very interesting. Uh, but if we do not see him in the rest of Boba Fett, I do believe we will be seeing him in Obi-Wan Kenobi.
1: Most definitely. Now, when the Huts came, they uh, you see how they came and apologized to Boba? for sending Black Christian to kill him, a rancor. Do you f- feel, oh, and as, go as far as to say that the uh, Pike Syndicate runs, you know, Tatooine, or I don't think, basically they were saying that, you know, somebody else is in charge of Tatooine. Mm. Even going as far as to tell Boba he should leave Tatooine to like avoid any conflict you know of like who's really in charge how did you feel about that
0: I feel like it could be very interesting Uh, there's a lot of dynamics going on there's a lot of hidden stuff we still don't know who sent the actual original assassination attempt on Boba so there's just a lot of information that's just like makes you question who's really pulling the strings we know Mm -hmm. the Hutts aren't doing it now We know the mayor's not doing it. There's there's suspicion that the Pikes are doing it. But who else could it be? You know, you have the two other families that it could possibly be as far as the, essentially the owners of Tatooine. But there's just a lot of mystery surrounding it. And it's very possible that we may not have seen who the true villain is. Yeah,
1: it seems like everybody's playing hot potato with that.
0: Yeah, it's very possible. And we, we truly don't even know who sent out the original hit on Boba. And uh, I was actually going to ask you, who did you think sent the hit out? But it's really tough to tell at this point. You know, it may be too early. We may need we may need another episode to really get a true guess or even get an answer.
1: Yeah, because it seems every week I'm putting my foot in my mouth when I have to say who I think the one is.
0: Yeah, I, I believe we've made you know, two to three different guesses. And every episode, we, we, you know, we seem like we're the wrong, we're going the wrong direction. Yeah. But with you mentioning the Rancor, uh, I love this Danny Trejo cameo as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed his dialogue. Uh, I hope to see him in the coming episodes, as well as him being the Rancor trainer. But with Boba getting a Rancor, What do we think about this? Do we think there's a power dynamic switch that this can add? Do we think this is an additional asset for Boba? What do we think?
1: Well, it's definitely an asset to have a rancor on your side. And as you see, he was even saying he wanted to ride it because the dude told him that, you know, there was once upon a time where people would ride the rancors. So I feel like it's definitely an asset to have on your side, whether it to be to threaten or just use it, period. What definitely.
0: about you? Yeah, definitely. And with you saying the witches of Dathomir used to ride them, I think that this could be a real asset for Boba. Um, really, even if he were to continue bounty hunting as well, uh, this could be definitely a real asset with him being the Daimo, um, you know, with him, you know, handling people that don't tribute uh, the tribute to him, uh, handling, you know, foul people and, using tactics to, you know, kind of get information out of people like we saw in the original episode. I think it just adds another funny layer to when they had the, uh, the assassin and he went into the pit and there was no rancor, no, no monster to to eat him. And now there is, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just really funny and a real callback. And it's like poetry or rhymes. Um, but I really enjoyed seeing that as well as them hinting towards the, the canon of the Witches of Dathomir. Because you know about the Witches of Dathomir, there's very conflicting canon uh, between the Legends books, between uh, the Clone Wars, and between the films. Okay. So, with them kind of just, you know, even saying the Witches of Dathomir, they're confirming that they're witches. And I think it could be very crucial. Um, we could see them in live action going forward. Um, they may be in the acolyte. That's my guess. Um, but really enjoying what they the direction that they're going as far as Boba Fett as well as the introduction of the Grand Corps. Mm-hmm. And we also have the chase scene, uh, which was my favorite scene in the show. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on you know the revelations of the chase scene with the mayor working with the Pikes. Uh, as well as you know, just what you thought of the action
1: sequence. As far as the mayor working with the pikes, I don't feel like it's a mutual thing. I kind of feel like he's forced or being kind of pushed to do it. Mm-hmm. As far as the chase scene, as as you said, it was pretty cool. You know, to see what the the biker little delinquents gang, they're, they're, their their them display their display their skill sets because as you see them even messing up his car to where he wrecked it, he couldn't even get it started. So as far as the scene goes, I feel like it was a pretty
2: dope scene. What about you? Yeah, like I said earlier,
0: this is my favorite scene. Um, I think it was perfect in terms of showing what a chase scene could be like. You haven't really seen too many of the chase scenes anymore. in in Star Wars lore, um, outside of, you know, playing, you know, outer space activity. Um, I think it was really, really good though. I think they showed, you know, the abilities of the gang very well. Uh, I loved the part where they stopped, um, essentially, you know, the mayor's busboy getting stopped. And the biker gang walking up and Boba flying down into the scene. <laughs> yeah. That was just perfect for me. Um, I really enjoyed that. that. That was really, it just it just made my night when I was watching that as well. Um, but that, that was truly my favorite scene and I really enjoyed it. As far as the mayor working with the pikes, like you said, I do think he's being manipulated. Um, I don't think he's getting the fair end of the stick in whatever is going on. And it could blow up in his face, not only with Boba, but with the Pikes as well. Um, and I do think the Pikes will be a major, a major player in this series going forward, as it's been hinted. Um, but I think the mayor will die in the next episode. That's my prediction.
1: Definitely. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I, d- well, I definitely I wouldn't say in the next episode, maybe in like the next one or two. Maybe in the next two. I could see that. Yeah.
0: I do think it's going to blow up in his face, and I do think it will result in his death. I do not think the mayor will make it past this season, definitely. Um, I do think it will lead into a power dynamic switch with Boba and essentially the owners of the city. And I think Boba is going to take him. I don't think he'll be the mayor, but I do think his power will not strictly be like underground and Mm -hmm. taking, taking tribute. I think he's really going to gain some political power with the mayor dying um, either at his hands or the Pike's hands. Do you have any other theories about what's going forward in Boba Fett?
1: Oh, no, I'm really interested on seeing him, you know, gather his team and, taking on the pike syndicate i really want to know the motives behind the pike syndicate Mm -hmm. that's really what i'm most interested in what about you
0: yeah definitely like what i said about the mayor um there's been theories about who the main biker girl is um i've heard that she's Arden lynn i don't think that's possible um just because if you know the canon, I don't think it'll it'll make sense most fans, um, maybe even from a writing standpoint. Um, but I do think she could be a character that we're not expecting, um, just because if you see the credits, she's just cyberpunk girl or cyber girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think she's a more important character. And you can kind of tell from the cinematography that they really focus on her throughout the episode. I think she's more important than this episode went on. So that's kind of my theory. I don't have an exact guess on who she is, but I think she's more important and she will be an integral part of the rest of this, the
1: rest of this season. Mm-hmm. And from an overall standpoint, what was how did you feel about the episode?
0: I thought it was, honestly, I thought it was the best episode thus far. Um, <laughs> Even I, I better than last episode? I think it might've been better than the last episode. I think they, I think aggressively, uh, Disney has been over the top. I think Star Wars is really hitting, knocking it out the park every week for me. Um, there has not been a bad episode thus far of the Book of Boba Fett. And uh, I actually have an imaginary worlds class that I'm in. And I was speaking about the Book of Boba Fett earlier in class today. And my professor, he's a big nerd. You know, really enjoys things like the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I was telling him that he really needs to watch this show because not only is it building on lore, it's creating more dynamics. Um, it's expanding on Boba Fett. It is, it is the book of Boba Fett, it's the chapter of Boba Fett. And I really think that it's doing a great job of building this dynamic world around him. And essentially this world that we know of, you know, we've been been to plenty of times in the Star Wars universe, but it's really diving deeper into the culture of Tatooine and establishing Boba Fett as a major player, not only in the Star Wars universe, but on Tatooine. So, yeah, I definitely think that this was a great episode. For me, it's my favorite thus far. Um, We'll see if it gets top. And you know, I'm just looking forward to the rest of
1: this season. What about you? This episode was, I liked it. But last episode was, I feel like it was definitely better. Just with the whole, uh, just the whole sequence of the train, the train scene, us finding out that Jabba's cousins, yeah, the twins were in charge of that land. And stuff. This episode was good. Just I feel like if the Hansen fight was better, then this might have been my favorite episode. But I, it was still good, nonetheless.
0: I can definitely, I can definitely respect that. And I think the Hansen fight was a uh, a pendulum point, a swing point, if you if you would like to say. Yeah, I think it, if it would have been a little bit more intense and we saw a little bit more from Boba. I think we saw enough from Kersantin, um, to really see how dangerous he is. Um, but I think if yeah, we saw it's... a little bit more from Boba, it would have been an even better scene.
1: Yeah. He got stabbed a few times and was, and was still coming.
0: Yeah. Still going. We saw, we saw, we really heard him do his Wookiee call as well as one of the Gamorians uh, sliced him in the back. Yeah. So that was really cool to see as well to, Finally, here, another Wookiee. Um, but with that still being on Star Wars content, we just got confirmation that The Mandalorian has been postponed due to COVID, and we won't be seeing season three for a little while longer. Do we have any predictions on when we'll see season three?
1: Um, I'll go probably the earliest probably early 2023, the mm. latest, maybe early, mid-24. What about you?
0: Yeah, with the slate of projects that they have coming out within the next couple of years, I think the earliest we're going to get it is mid-2023. I can see it coming out during the summer of 2023, maybe June, July. Um, I don't think it'll come out early 2023. I think there's just too much going on, and they want to continue to build on the lore around the Mandalorian as kind of their flagship show to build around in this Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. um, and really in this Disney Plus universe as well. That you want to say, um, I do think they want to continue to build anticipation on that show as well, and I think the upcoming shows will build on the Mandalorian. So I think they're going to have it come out next year. Um, I don't think it'll be pushed to 2024. The latest I can see it being is late 2023. Um, They do like to drop these shows in the fall. Um, We know Book of Boba Fett came out during the winter, but I think that kind of had to do with them wanting to push Akai out first in terms of Disney Plus strategy. Um, But I do think it'll come out mid 2023. That is my prediction.
1: I can see that, yeah. I'm not mad at that.
0: Definitely. And with us talking about, you know, the range of what Disney Plus is doing as far as their scheduling, we have got confirmation as well that Laura Donnelly has been cast as Nina Price, also known as the Vampire by Night, in Marvel's upcoming Halloween special. If you want, can you dive in a little bit on, you know, if you're excited about this casting um, are you excited about the Halloween special?
1: I don't know much about her, but I am definitely always excited to see new Marvel content. I was, uh, I loved Hawkeye. I loved WandaVision. I loved, uh, what's it, um, Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier. So definitely excited about that, especially when I can learn about a new character. I'm always excited about that. How about you?
0: Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see uh, as far as where this Halloween special is going to go. We know it's going to be more of a horror aspect as far as their horror characters. Um, With it being, I want to know if it's going to be truly live action Um, because we have confirmation there's going to be Werewolf by Night, Vampire by Night. Um, We have the confirmed actors but I want to see, is this gonna be like, is this gonna be like the Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special? Um, we don't really have confirmation if that's gonna be live action or if it's gonna be animation. So I wanna know, is this, you know, does this fit in the same bubble? Is it going to be live action? Is it going to be animation? Are we gonna really see these characters in live action? How how canon is it gonna be? We know it's Marvel.
1: We know it's gonna be a special of theirs, but. Where does it fit in? Um, Oh, she can transform into both.
0: No, she can transform into a vampire, but we also have confirmed casting of Werewolf by night as well. Okay. But as far as we know, we don't really truly know if it's gonna be live action or not. Um, But either way, I'm excited for this project. Um, Just for them to dive into these type of characters. And I also want to know, is this going to be a result of multiverse of madness? Because we know that Wanda has the dark hold. And mm-hmm. if you know the comics, the dark hold is what creates vampires, werewolves, goblins, you know, demons, whatever you think of that's, you know, Halloween-y in the Halloween realm, the dark hold creates Yep. So... I'm just excited to see the direction of how this comes, um, whether it'll be live action or animation. And, you know, we'll see it when it comes out in in near Halloween. Um, But in other news of casting, we also have news that reportedly Jaden Smith has been in talks with Marvel. Oh, really? Definitely. And we got the confirmation today. And I wanted to see. Do you think he'll be playing Miles Morales? Do we think he could be replacing the actor that has been playing Patriot that we saw in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Um, what do we think he could be doing in terms of Marvel? Miles,
2: hmm.
1: a Miles Morales, I, I I wouldn't be mad at a Miles Morales. Maybe. I'm kind of stumped on that. I, I want to, in my personal opinion, I would hope he'd be playing someone else, mm-hmm. but you might be hitting on something with that uh Patriot replacement.
0: Yeah. And I, I say the Patriot replacement because we've already seen it happen. Um, Marvel has laid the groundwork for the Cassie Lane character and we see her grow up and, we got confirmation that a new actress would be playing her in Ant-Man and the Wasp, once a meaning. So we know that they're building toward the young adventurers. We see what they're doing, but we also know that they're not afraid to recast an actor with a bigger name as well. So I'm not going to say that it's out of the question for them to recast Patriot, although if you have seen the young man that is playing Patriot, and is playing elijah bradley per se he is getting jacked i have seen the photos you know he went viral over twitter and if he's preparing to play that role he is going to play it perfectly because he is already looking like he has the super serum mm-hmm. so i think it could work out either way they stick with the actor if they go with Jaden smith um they go with Jaden Smith, he definitely will have to, you know, bulk up a little bit um, in terms of playing somebody that has, you know, is either taking the steroid if they want to go that route as far as a writing standpoint, or if they just want to, you know, say that he got a blood transfusion and, you know, skip over the theatrics and say that he has a blood transfusion from his grandfather and he has a little bit of the serum in him and he bulks up a little. We would have to see Jaden bulk up a little in terms of, having that come to fruition. If he is wanting to be Patriot, um, I also could see him playing Miles. And, you know, it could make sense. He may be a little bit older than a lot of people want him to be, but say that he could not play the character, it's just wrong to me. Um, I think he could play the character very well. I, I really respect Jaden as an actor and he has the height, he has the wankiness. He has the hairstyle, you know, he, he can grow his hair, you know, he's, yeah. more. if you want the low cut, he can do the low cut. If you want his hair up, like in the Spider-Verse, he can do that as well. Um, so I do think he, he also has the acting background. He's done the dancing, which we know Marvel loves people that can dance because they do better in the fighting sequences. Yeah, so they're a little bit more coordinated. Um, And as a musician, you know, we know how Miles as a character is really attracted to music. Um, So we've had Jaden Smith on the soundtrack of the Spider-Verse. So, you know, he could be a very interesting take on Miles. Um, But I'm just excited to see if he really joins the MCU, no matter the character. With us talking about casting, We have reported news that the Fantastic Four are beginning their casting. And I wanted to have a little game with you and see if we could do a fan cast for the Fantastic Four. The only rule I have is we can't use the same actor.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. So
0: I'm going to let you say you're Mr. Fantastic and I'll come back with mine. And we'll just keep going on from there, okay?
1: All right. For Mr. Fantastic, I'll go with uh probably everyone's fan favorite right now, uh John Krasinski. I hope I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. I feel like um he could really pull it off the intelligent look, the you know, kinda older look as well. Mm-hmm. And about his frame. I feel like we could, it won't be too much of a problem for that. What about you?
0: Uh, for me, I'm going Dan Stevens. And if you watch Legion, if you have watched Legion, you already know this is a phenomenal actor. Um, for me, I want to go more of a a younger slash middle-aged um, range for the Fantastic Four. I want them to be of age, but not necessarily... Older version or an older take on the characters. Um, I want them to be a little spry. They're young scientists that have gone through this transformation. And we can see these actors for numerous films and hopefully get a trilogy or even four movies. Um, So I went with Dan Stevens because he's 30 years old, he's six foot, he has the frame, he has the look, he's played an intelligent character before, as well as, you know, he's open to doing the comic book stuff as we've seen him in Legion before. Uh, So me, this is a fan favorite. um, And I really think he just fits the bill and he could really play Mr. Fantastic well. He's not a super big name. And we've got confirmation that they're looking to really hire two big names and hire two relatively unknowns that aren't really household names. And Dan Stevens hasn't achieved that household name level yet but I think this is the perfect opportunity for him to do so. Uh, And I'll go ahead and let you continue with your Invisible Woman.
1: Uh, My Invisible Woman, I went with Lily James. She is a... She's kind of... I guess I wouldn't really say... She's probably middle-aged, well, not middle-aged, but... She's kind of older. I know you said you were going for like the younger look. She's 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's played in movies like Cinderella, not movies. I think it was a show, Cinderella, and then the movie Baby Driver. Mm. So uh, I feel like she could definitely pull it off being Sue Storm. And uh, what about you? Who do you have?
0: Uh, for me, I have Samara Weaving. And if you know Samara Weaving, beautiful actress. I think she looks like Sue Storm, and I think it's important um, that we kind of get close to how these characters look or kind of the source material in them. I think she would be a perfect form. She has guts as far as from an acting range and what we've seen from her. Um, if you've seen her in Ready or Not, she's played a fearless character. Um, we've seen, you know, she can play intelligent, um, but she also, you know, in certain movies, she's had, you know, shown her sassiness. Um, I think she would add a lot of personality to the character. And I think she could really be interested in doing the superhero work. Um, we know that, you know, a lot of people get offered these Marvel jobs and they're, they chew away superhero work. But I think she could be definitely open to this um, and definitely open to the possibilities of being, you know, this franchise woman. And, me, I think she has the opportunity to really blossom in her
2: career if we're to take this opportunity.
0: And I'll let you continue with your
1: All right. And for Human Torch, I have Liam Hensworth. Uh, that will kind of be it for my uh, two big, big names. Mm. I feel like he could pull off, you know, the younger Cocky kind of human torch kind of personality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And as you know, we've seen him in other movies like that. So I feel like he'd be a good fit for that. What about you?
0: For me, I have my first of big names. And this is going to be great if this happens. I actually have Dave Franco. And if you've seen Dave Franco, you know, you may have seen him in Now You See Me, Now You Don't. Um, one or two Um, he's worked with his brother James Franco a lot Um, he has the the comedy chops to pull this off so magnificently Um, we've seen him in action sequences so I think he's doing this he has he can be really truly the comedic relief while also playing that you know that hunk type character that Marvel really wants out of the human torch he has the charisma. Uh, like I said before, he has the comedic chops. Um, he has the acting prowess and the experience. Um, he's a solid name. He's not really this ultra name. Um, I tried to really steer away from you know, these giant names that you always see. But I think Dave Franco could definitely be perfect. Um, and I think he has the range to show what Human Torch deals with mentally. Um, I would love to see Dave Franco and Tom Holland together. I think that would be awesome. Um, And I really think he can really pull more out of this character than the source material even allows him to. And with that being said, I'll let you continue with your final character thing.
1: Uh, With my character, I have David Harbour. I feel like his build and his size personality I feel like it might he might be a good thing the only problem is I think he was in Black Widow Mm -hmm. but we've seen him in roles like uh the newest Hellboy um Stranger Things so you know you can play that type of character yeah what about you
0: for me I actually have O'Shea Jackson Jr. and I know O'Shea Jackson Jr. is not the biggest of names. He's a big name in Hollywood in terms of not only being the son of Ice Cube, but he's also done some great work outside of, you know, straight out of Compton, the biopic, which was a huge, huge, huge movie. Definitely. And he's done movies like Den of Thieves, Just Mercy. Recently, he was in Godzilla. Um... He's really done some great, some great movies, and we haven't gotten to see him really take that household name yet. But he is an actor that everyone is truly aware of, and I think he would do great, not only from a comedic standpoint, but he's shown that he can, you know, do some serious roles as well as play a character that has comedic chops, you know, comedic reaction, and. He can really show emotion as well and with the thing we know that he deals with a lot of depression as far as dealing with this condition as far as becoming the thing um Mm -hmm. not being able to be wife um having to get a divorce because of you know her reaction to him being the thing um him dealing with you know the thought of trying to find another woman uh you know, just dealing with the emotional status of being this superhero while also looking at it as a condition. And I think he could really pull this off. I think he has the build. He has to look for it. Um, I would love to see him as an action star. If you've seen him in Den of Thieves, he was phenomenal. Um, I really think he could really pull this off. And I think it's perfect as far as continuing... To show the diversity that Marvel is contributing to these different films they've changed you know different characters like Fastos in Eternals um they've changed a bunch of different characters and I think it would be perfect for him to be you know to really show a different relationship between Ben Grimm and Reed Richards um with them being college friends I think you could really even add a layer that Ben Grimm was a football star while also a good student in class and being a science major. Mm. I think it could add so many different layers to the character with just a simple thing is changing his ethnicity. And also, it would, as I said, include diversity within the cast. Um, a lot of people aren't happy if they have an all-white cast. I understand that people aren't happy if they have a change in certain characters like Richards and Sue Warren. And with that being said, we saw them change Um, Johnny Storm with the Michael B. Jordan uh, incarnation. And they went through the mental gymnastics and the writing gymnastics to pull that off. And we saw the movie flop. So I think in terms of creating diversity within this cast, I think Ben Grimm being Black makes the most sense. Um, It doesn't change his relationship with Reed Richards. It doesn't change his relationship with Storm to change his relationship with, with, uh, with Johnny Storm. And I think this cast could really develop a lot of chemistry. Um, this cast has a lot of acting under their belts. Uh, but also, you know, this could be a group that really develops and becomes household names altogether.
1: hmm I can see that, definitely.
0: So that's my fantastic forecasting. Steven, I loved your casting as well.
1: Likewise.
0: Uh, And with that being said, I just want to say one more time, shout out to Elijah. Uh, We hope you feel better, bud. Uh, We hope to see you on episode 10. And thank you all for listening. Uh, Steven, I'm going to let you go ahead and drop your socials.
1: All right, you guys. You can follow me on Twitter at samastizo. That's S-A-M-A-S-T-E-Z-O. And you can follow me on Instagram at Steezo, that's Steezo with four O's.
0: All right. And with that being said, I am 90210 Toriano. You can follow me on all socials, including Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at 90210, T-O-R-I-O-N-O. That's 90210 Toriano. And we appreciate you for listening to us. You can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and as well as TikTok. And follow us on Twitter at Cinema Reviewed. Thank you for listening and share us. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You all have a great day. Thanks.